Welcome to Adaptivist Live, the Atlassian Ecosystem Podcast. Today's topic, hiring an Atlassian administrator. I'm joined by the master administrator and hiring guru himself, Matthew Stubblefield. Hi, Matthew. Top of the morning to you, Ryan. Guru indeed. And uh, of course, I am Ryan Spilkin. Glad to have you here. And I'm looking forward to talking about how we hire and recruit Atlassian administrators. Matthew has a lot of experience in the hiring process. He's um, almost responsible for me having a job. So uh, <laughs> so we, I look forward to getting some of your insight. But we're going to kick it off, as we always do, with our Thunderbolt round. <laughs> This one is a good one. It's the worst interview question you've ever been asked. And here's mine. If if I were a dog, what kind of dog would I be? That was a real question that a real person asked me in a real interview. <laughs> I don't even know because I've heard about, you know, personality tests. Part of it is the test of like how flustered do you get and how do you respond? But the what kind of dog like there's so, I feel like there's wrong answers. The, yeah. If you're like, I, I'm the dog that mauls children. That's the wrong answer. Well, the, yeah. Like, so, so I grew up. But what's the right answer? There isn't. Well, the, uh, the right answer is Rolf the dog from the Muppets. Nice. That's the right that's answer. That's a great answer. That's not what I gave. Is that the answer? Oh, but that's such a good answer. It's, it, well, I, I did. I gave that one second because the first, like, I grew up with Dobermans, and that's the only dog I knew. Like, I don't know mm. dogs. And if anyone's ever seen my office, they know I'm not a dog person. I'm fine with other for, people's for dogs. Our viewers, for our viewers at home, uh, Ryan's sort of backdrop is a wall covered in cat pictures. Yeah. Yep. They're all, and none of them are my cats, which also grace my <laughs> office time to time. But so I'm not a dog person. I like other people's dogs. I like your dog. Your dog's a sweetie. Willow's a sweetie. My, my dog's pretty great. She's very great. She's but so I answered it with Doberman, which was the only dog I knew. And that's a kind of a vicious attack dog. So it's like, <laughs> that was the wrong answer. I am not a Doberman. I'm probably more like a Shih Tzu. I don't even know what a Shih Tzu is. I just think it's a funny name. So that, that was the worst interview question I've ever been at. And I did. I said, no, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I'm not a Doberman. I'm Rolf from the Muppets. But it was too late. The damage had been done. Matthew, what was the worst question you've ever been asked? Uh, so this was for my first full-time position. I was applying to be a centralized user support specialist at what was then Southwest Missouri. No? Yes. I was applying to be a centralized user support specialist at Missouri State University. And uh, CUS, as it was as it was called, to apply to be a CUS, it's it's really it's an entry-level position, you know. Um, you've got to have some tech skills. I think it requires one year of experience, but it's it's pretty entry level. And I had a a pretty broad interview panel. I had uh, somebody from management information systems who were the programmers. I had somebody from networking. I had somebody from enterprise systems who were the server admins. And then I had, had somebody from uh, the, the user support group. And one of the people asked me a really advanced wireless networking question. I mean, it was just like, and I can't even remember all the words, uh, but it was, it was like, what you know, how would you set up a wireless access point when you're dealing with these types of frequencies and ranges in an environment that has this stuff with this type of switch hardware in the background and on and on? How would you calibrate the flux capacitor? <laughs> and I was like, I, you know, when the university got wireless, you know, back in the golden days, uh, when we first got wireless, I'd written the documentation on how to set it up on the desktop and on laptops and whatnot. Um, 
<laughs> I looked her right in the eye and I said, I don't really know anything about that, but I also know that this job has nothing to do with any of that. So I don't really need to. <laughs> that might also be, that's probably the worst question and the best answer. I mean, I got the job, uh, but it was, I, and I did not make a friend with that, with that response. But, but I honestly, I was just like, I know I, I had been working there part-time for years. I knew what the job involved. That was not part of it. No, no. That is a good one. So, um, as a quick aside, have you ever given a really bad answer at an interview? Oh, just an answer where I felt like I'd, I'd put my foot in my mouth? Yeah, sure. <sighs> I No, I don't think so. And I know that sounds terrible. I mean, honestly, I haven't interviewed for that many jobs. I interviewed my, 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 my first job. I was 13. I worked at a veterinary office. Under the table, uh, when, hush, hush. When I was, yeah, yeah, a little bit. I'm um, doing yard work and cleaning out kennels and stuff. I uh, was 16, Kmart, 17, uh, hospital working in food service. Uh, and then I went to college, started working in the computer labs, got hired full time at like 21, worked my way up. I, I've gotten almost every job. I, I think I've gotten every job I've interviewed for. That's no, that's, I mean, that's, that's not great. Yeah. Well, and then working my way up. Um, so like every interview has been pretty positive. Um, cause I've actually said that I'm just too awesome. I, <laughs> I think it was for a job I didn't really want. Um, right. I went to the interview anyway. All right. So sometimes we're in a position where we've brought in the Atlassian stack, right? Or maybe we've just brought in Jira and we're using cloud or we are, um, we're trying, we're kicking around the server version. It's living on a, it's living on a box under somebody's desk, Right. And that's how it, we start. That's, that's, of course, that's how we start. And it starts to expand. And before you know it, the, the staff and the teams are, are learning about the awesomeness and power and flexibility of Jira and the other Atlassian tools. And suddenly, administering the Atlassian tools is becoming more of a thing. And we need to find an actual admin. We need to give somebody the, the proper uh, time to deal with this. So how do we go about hiring a quality Atlassian administrator. Yeah. So this is something that I, I did a lot of interviews at the university, not, not just related to the Atlassian stuff, but part-time staff, full-time staff, hundreds and hundreds of interviews. Um, and then I've come to Adaptivist and I've interviewed uh, for our consultants and, and other positions. And I've also coached other companies on how to hire Atlassian administrators. Uh, so at 6.30 this morning when Ryan and I were trying to decide what to record for a podcast, I thought, aha, I, I have an idea. Uh, so I think, I think when you start and where a lot of people, um, th this first step is always hard because it's always hard to start with, with a blank page. The first sentence. You got to write, write a job description. Oh. And if you look at on the web for it lasts in administrator job descriptions, there's, there are no good examples. Um, I know this because I've worked with people who have gone out on the web and, and gotten them and then sent them to me. And I go, no, this is terrible. Uh, <laughs> so, so yeah, you got to start with a job description. Cause, cause if you don't step two, writing the advert, you, you can't really do like, right. Have you ever had to go into a job where you get started and they're like, we're not quite sure what we're going to have you do, or, or we don't have something in writing. We can show you. Here's what, you know, day to day you have to do. We're, we're going to figure that out as we go along. I might have, I might have been in a job like that. Maybe. There might have been some some experience I have. It's so, just it's ambiguous, uncomfortable. Yeah, and uh, and is easily um, 
easily juggled on you, if that's the right term. Like, like I'm doing something and then suddenly, well, why are you doing that? Well, yeah, okay. <laughs> it's that other duties as assigned. We're, we don't really know what we want you to do, so we're just going to throw other duties, other as, duties assigned. as assigned. That is such bad verbiage. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, you you end up with this massive scope creep. You end up with, uh, I mean, often in smaller teams, you know, this is this is where you see this because people haven't reached a, the, the group hasn't reached a maturity level, and you haven't reached a point of being able to specialize. Yeah. You know, each person does wear different hats, but uh, you know, the job description is what lets us buy the hats and get the right colors and the right you know words on them. Uh, so you got to start. Out. So when you're writing your your lasting admin job description, uh, I think it's it's really helpful to think about the very specific things that you need them to do and start with three to five sort of like headings. These are just the broad, you know, things. So like you want them to uh, do the uh, front end configuration. That's the, the stuff through the, the web. Um, maybe you want them to do the server administration. So that's the stuff in the back. And uh, maybe you, you know, um, need them to do some reporting, you're going to expect them to pull reports out of the system. So you're going to add a reporting heading. So you just start at really the high level. And then you put, again, just two to five bullet points under each of these, thinking about uh, sort of the specifics, what you're going to expect them to do on a daily, weekly, monthly, annual basis. Um, you, so, could, you, know, you could write monthly reports or you could do something a bit more broad. So, Matthew, is this, I mean, this is, to me, a, a pretty big overlap for a potentially um, entry level position, right? You have you you have already listed server administration, which is in and of its own a uh, uh, something you have to to learn, um, and report running, which is really tied more into project management. That's a good point. Yeah, uh, the Atlassian admin, depending on the scope of the position, uh, can be a very broad skill set. Uh, I was working with a, a company last year that looked at their job description. They need somebody with extensive agile project management experience who could also do the server management, who could also do the front end configuration. And <laughs> as I talked them through that, they went, oh God, we're trying to hire a unicorn, aren't we? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a very special one. <laughs> and that's a good point, Ryan. Like uh, to, to find somebody to hire uh, with that skill set is, is rare. So you might think about... Um, splitting this off. A lot of organizations, they keep their Atlassian admin or Jira admin just focused on the front end configuration and they've got a separate server team for the back end. And I do think that's, that's smart um, because it's, it's, it's a different skill set. And, and for the server management that gets very specialized, it's a very deep pool of knowledge. Um, so having a, an admin for the, the front end, you know, and you can cross across out Atlassian applications. You can admin Jira and Confluence and do the admin for other, other tools. Yeah, but, um, but going very right, the back end and everything, it's in, in one position that is difficult. Yeah, and you want to just be careful about looking for a unicorn because unicorns are a mythical beast with Thank rainbow for, poop. Right. We I appreciate you pointing that out, right? Yeah, it, it is mythical. Myth Unicorns don't exist. And the Pegasus uh, is even more rare. And if you're trying to hire one, yeah, good have luck. Time. So be careful when you're when you're writing this job description because you don't want to box yourself into a unicorn. Is that a thing? So can you box yourself <laughs> into it? Okay, go go on, go on, go on. So you've you've begun with two to five bullet points, and then yeah, that's your 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 key responsibilities and accountabilities. What you want them to do, and what they're going to be held accountable for doing. 
And that clear expectation is very important. And then a second section that's just the what we expect you to know, to have skills and to have experience in. And I suggest splitting this into two separate groups. You've got the essential and the desirable. Uh, the essential are the things that you're not really willing to bend on. And the desirable are the, like, it, it helps you filter your candidates. Be real if, nice if. Yeah, like if they've got that, then they, they float to the top. Be careful with your essential, though. Like, you really have to ask yourself, does this person absolutely have to, to have this thing? So like in, in my job descriptions, I write for us now, I say that they need to be familiar with Jira and Confluence as an end user. That's a pretty low bar. Like that's a, I could go out and get a free cloud account and futz around with it for two days and I meet that bullet point. Um, they, but if they come in the door and they say they don't know what Jira is, all right, well, that's disqualified. That's an essential thing. You have to have at least put in the effort to know what this word means. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Important. All right. So you've got these bullet points. You've got the essentials and the nice to haves. Are you done? That's your job description. That's, That's job really, description. you know, and it ends up being, you know, usually a couple pages long. Um, really? But, uh, it, it, you know, bullet points take up a lot of space. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's one to two pages and it gives a, a pretty clear thing. You know, I, I do... I mean, I still struggle with this. I tend to write my job descriptions to be pretty broad. And then I expect over time people in a role to kind of specialize. They find the things that they really like to do and they do those things. But ideally, they shouldn't, you know, a person shouldn't have to be doing stuff that's outside the job description. And I think other duties as assigned is should always be avoided. You really, if you have that in your job descriptions now, get everybody in a room, write down everything that everybody does today and in a typical year. Uh, and decide, are there any of these things they should stop doing? Uh, are there any things, we, you know, there shouldn't be anything you need to add because you're already doing everything you could possibly be doing. So what you're saying is, is that uh, someone who's a trainer maybe shouldn't be scrubbing floorboards. That is a, a cogent observation, Ryan, that I'm, I'm sure comes from no personal experience because surely nobody. No, would you would never heard that. Scrubbing floorboards and baseboards yeah that's another duty as assigned so you've written the job description it's it's tight it looks for everything you've got you're you're hopefully avoiding other duties as assigned and then you got to write an advert right and this is going to go out on your linkedin this is going to go out on the the on your the monster yeah. and, uh the other places and what's the difference between the advert and the job description so your your job uh so your advert is, I mean, it's public facing and you want it to make a bit of an emotional connection. You want to kind of welcome people in. So it's a, it's almost more, I, I view it almost more as a, a marketing HR thing um, because you, you want to include some information about your company and your values and here's what we care about. These are things that internally don't have to be in the job description. They can be in other places. Externally, you kind of have to pull this together, but you don't want to make it five pages long. So you should have sort of a stock paragraph that says, here's what we're about as a company. And then for the specific role, you really want to communicate two things. Here's um, what we're looking for. And I usually take, like I, I do use that part of the job description, the, the key responsibilities and accountabilities, the, uh, um, the role-specific skills, knowledge, experience, the essentials, and the desirable. Like that all has to be in there in their own sections. Um, but... 
as part of that, be thinking through how this is going to be received by people. So like one of the ways that I think people screw up their job descriptions and their adverts is they put things like, uh, are you a ninja? Essential uh, three years of experience, desirable five years of experience um, or essential bachelor's degree. And um, I, I think that really, it's, it's the wrong approach, you know? So like, Ryan, if I were to say um, for, for this position, for this Atlassian admin position, I want somebody with a bachelor's degree in either computer science, computer information systems, management information systems, information technology, system management, and two years experience. What do you think I'm actually looking for there? Um, a ninja pirate. <laughs> No, you're looking for you're looking for someone uh, with a degree in the computer world that has had two years of experience looking for an, working with Atlassian tools, right? But, but or, why am I looking for somebody with a degree? Well, you didn't tell me that. <laughs> so the 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 reason I'm looking for somebody with a degree is because I am going to use that to measure: Are they able to stick with something? That Were they sense. able to make commitment? and follow through and finish on it. And uh, two years of experience is because we say to ourselves, okay, in a year or two years or five years, um, I think they could have done these things. So like for the, um, for the JIRA administration certification, we say that uh, sort of the minimum qualified candidate, the person who we think would pass it probably has two to three years of experience. And that doesn't mean that, you know, you'll fail it if you have less than two to three, but what we were thinking was, in two to three years, you've probably gone through some upgrades. You've gone through uh, having problems happen because things break over time. And so enough time has passed that things are broken and you've had to fix it. You've, you've gone through all these experiences. And so we go, okay, well, we want somebody with a bachelor's degree because that shows that they're able to stick with their commitments. And we want somebody with years of experience because that shows that they've gone through these things. And the problem is neither of those points actually proves anything. Like... I, okay, I got a bachelor's degree. I, uh, you know, in religious studies uh, or something. <laughs> you could have something like me with a bachelor's in religious studies, uh, which you know, conversely, doesn't mean I'm not qualified. No, 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 absolutely. Uh, and or you could have somebody with no degree, uh, you know, who's who's very qualified. You could also have somebody with a degree in CIS who uh, you know skated through college with straight C's. And doesn't know a thing. You know, they, they skipped on their class. They went to an easy college. They bought it from a degree mill. Like the, the degree doesn't prove no. what you're looking for. And so it's, it's better to communicate exactly what you want. Same thing for years of service. So this is an anecdote. But I've talked with a lot of uh, admins. I've talked with a lot of companies. I would say the typical JIRA admin uh, actually managing in the configuration JIRA with their hands-on changing things. Typical JIRA admin hands-on configuring things, maybe 10% of their time. And so when you think that, you know, there are 52 weeks in a year, uh, 10% is only five. And so you say, we want two years of experience. So you're saying you want somebody with 10 weeks 10 of weeks. experience. Really? Uh, that's your yardstick. That's, that's the thing you want to measure. So you really need to think about what do we actually when we put these litmus tests in, 
which you use for automated sorting. Typically you use this to put it in and then, you know, if somebody d- says they don't have a bachelor's degree, you could just ignore that application. I get that. And it makes the job easier um, in terms of filtering, but we really need to rethink, especially with Atlassian admins, because if you're in this process, you know, it's super hard to find them. It's so hard to find Atlassian admin. There's so much demand. And so if you're using this type of litmus test to throw people out, you're potentially, you're likely throwing out people who are qualified or would be good at the job. You're including people who aren't necessarily qualified. And so you need to think through what do we actually want? Uh, we want somebody who can make a commitment and follow through on it, who is good at learning. That's the other thing we get from college degrees. We go, okay, well, you're, you know, you have experience studying and you have a desire to learn and to get out and try new things and to, you know, um, gain new experience, potentially make, you know, potentially fail at things and learn from your failure. Yeah. You get enriched. You have, you have that thirst. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. So like, just write about that and say, we want somebody who does this you know, who, who feels this way, who has these desires, put that in your, your job advert. Those are great things to be looking for. We want somebody not who has two years of experience. That doesn't mean anything. We want somebody who has experience uh, upgrading JIRA, where they've, they've gone through an upgrade cycle and they've had to develop disaster recovery plans to roll back and to restore if things go wrong. They've had to write an upgrade plan. They've had to test out add-ons for compatibility. They've had to... Um, you know, uh, install workflows off the marketplace or, or just whatever, like talk to people, figure out what you actually need, put that in there, you know, again, getting back to the, the specific skills, the measurable stuff, the objective, put that in your advert, get rid of the college degree and the years of experience. It doesn't mean anything, but the, you need them, you need them to filter. You need them to be able, do you need them? I I guess I should say, do you need, because I, I am down with this. I don't think I don't think that burdening people with a lifetime of debt so that they can do what they're passionate about is necessarily the best answer for our society. As Ryan and I both worked in higher ed and, and have increased skepticism after the experience. It's um, true. I, totally true. College college is great for, for, for the kids at home. Yeah. Think about what you want to do in your life. And if what you want to do requires a college degree, then go get one. Yes. Agreed. So... so in terms of filtering, here's, I think, another shift we have to think of is there's a difference between interviewing or, or hiring or whatever and recruiting. Um, recruiting is going out and finding the people you want. And having a good description and advert gives you something to point the people you want to so that they can decide if they're interested. Uh, if you're just throwing something out on monster.com and just waiting for the fish to swim into the net, you're not likely to get that good a qualified candidate. Um, the problem is to do recruiting, you almost have to have a recruiter. This is something I've learned. Uh, I'm there's a whole art to it. Like they recruiters do way more than I was aware of, um, and it's not an easy job. So, like, if you want to throw out the net, that's fine. You just have to open yourself up to you're going to be filtering. Yep, you're going to have to. I do this on LinkedIn. LinkedIn is actually pretty nice for for handling this. I can go through. Uh, you know, 30, 50 people uh, just looking through their experience and, and scanning through it relatively quickly. Like that's probably about an hour, uh, maybe a little bit more. So like, I, and I've heard of these jobs where, you know, thousands of people apply and like, well, we've got to have some keywords. I think if you're, if you're posting a job where thousands of people are applying, it's probably time to talk to a recruiter and to develop 
uh, instead of just developing an advert, develop what we want, you know, the, the skills we want person to have, and then we're going to go find that person and we're going to recruit them. I mean, when you're at that point where you need filtering, you probably shouldn't just be posting and, and, and hoping up to you. And maybe you've, maybe your job description is too broad at that point. Like maybe, or your advert is just, it's just, everybody's be, yeah. throwing at it because it's, it's vague. Well, and you, you do get the people who, who apply for every single job that comes up and they're not qualified whatsoever, but those are pretty easy to filter out. You know, I mean, I've had people for learning development consultants, I've had people apply whose only experience is truck driving or construction, or I had a hairdresser, you know, makeup person apply. Um, those are, those just aren't the skills that we're looking for, you know, they, they, the, the test of end user familiarity with Jira, do you know what the word means? Yeah. None of them indicated they, they knew. And so, but you can filter through those pretty quickly. Uh, so you've, you've written your job description, you've put out your advert, maybe you're even, you're even hiring, you've got a recruiter and they are out there pounding the pavement and you just can't find anybody. What's the next step? I was working with this company in the Bay area and uh, I was helping them with this. We went through their description advert and posting and all this stuff. And they were recruiting. They were trying to find people. Over a year, they still hadn't found somebody. Um, anybody working in tech is probably aware. You know, the Bay Area is hyper competitive. And if you want somebody to be on site, so you've really limited your, your geographic scope, uh, it's, it's hard to hire there. Um, without, without a big fat paycheck. Oh, it's so much money oh my um, to compete. Yeah. So... So your, your, your next option is growing your own. It's, it's just training staff you already have uh, or, or taking somebody who's more junior and getting them the skills they need so they can start handling it for you. And a lot of organizations that I work with, this is the path they end up going. They, they, they think about hiring an Atlassian admin. They ask around. They do a little bit of, of interviewing and recruiting. They can't find somebody who's qualified. And they say, you know, uh, we've got Angie down the hall who's awesome. We love Angie. Let's let's give her an option. She's expressed an interest in managing the last tools. Let's move some of her duties to other people. Cause you don't want to just drop this on top of somebody. Um, <laughs> even though it's, even though it's maybe only 10% for the typical Jira admin, like learning it to start with, that's a hundred percent. And it's a hundred percent for months. Jira is super complex and it, it takes a lot of time. Once you get really good, 10%. Uh, but yeah, you could grow your own. Um, and what are some of the steps to doing that? So you identify the person because they've sh- perhaps shown some interest or maybe they've shown an aptitude. Um, mm-hmm. You've identified them. And then? Uh, so step one, give them time. Uh, a lot of places fail to do this. You got to give them time. Make this their full-time gig for like a few months. Um, and resources. Give them a dev environment or give them the ability to set up their own dev environment so they can play with stuff and break it. The best way to learn as a Jira admin is to break shit over and over again and fix it. Uh, you don't want them doing that with prod. Don't, don't upgrade live on prod. You know, test it out. So give them a space, test it. But then third, there's all kinds of resources uh, that didn't exist when I was starting as a Jira admin. Uh, we talked about this. I don't remember what episode it was. But back when we had Rachel Wright on. The day. And the podcast episode, Mistakes Were Made. Yeah. <laughs> Rachel and I talked about when we were starting out as Jira admins, like back at, at Jira one and two, like there was no training there. There, like the, there was documentation. I was self-taught off the documentation, but it, it sometimes had gaps and you had to rely on uh, Atlassian's bug reporting and support uh, to find 
you know, and uh, that was where a lot of were answers for or the the website formerly known as Answers, now known as Community. Yeah, though, though Answers didn't exist back then either. Oh yeah. Uh, so you so you have all of these resources now. Um, Atlassian's documentation is phenomenal. Um, there's some great training out there. Uh, in particular, you know, plug a little Adaptivist Learn at learn.adaptivist.com. Fantastic resource. Uh, Though I will, I will point out, Learn does not yet have the administration level stuff. Um, so you might look at Atlassian University, which uh, actually Ryan and I and, and other people on our team also deliver. And I, I can't uh, tell you how many times in, in, in delivering Atlassian's admin one and two courses, I have met users who this just got dropped in my lap. This, mm-hmm. is, this is part yeah. of my responsibility now. And some of them are I've excited been, about it. Some of them are like, Oh God, why? <laughs> so, I've been using Jira for three weeks and now I'm the admin. Uh, <laughs> yep. <laughs> you know, the, the admin classes from Atlassian University, particularly admin part two, uh, it's a great primer. It's Big a fan. great starting point. You go from that to the documentation and uh, there's some other books out there, you know, on Amazon. And if you, if you get into a, a tight spot or you want to kind of power charge it, uh, talk to, you know, hit us up at Adaptivist and we frequently come in and we do best practices workshops. We do kind of health check reviews. We can do like just a, a day or two remote or on site, and kind of do some coaching uh, to get you up and running much more quickly. It's one of those things that this wasn't Elastian, but um, one of the things I ran for the university and worked on was Microsoft system center configuration manager. And we <laughs> refused to bring a consultant in. We absolutely refused. Oh, we can't afford it. We can't afford it. We refused. A consultant would have cost us about $20,000 to do the setup and the training. Um, we wasted two years almost. It was almost two years to get it up and running. And when you think about the, the salaries and the time and the, the licenses and the servers and everything of, you know, paying for licenses that you're not using yet because you haven't figured out how to make it work. Like bringing in somebody, there's a short-term cost, but it, it gets you moving. Uh, and it was something that, uh, you know, I, I wish we had, we had done. It's one of those things that in the moment you're like, well, I'm, sh- I'm sure we can figure this out. You know, we've, we've got six months and then 18 months passes. Yeah. And there's the, you know, you've already mentioned the, the, um, the salaries and the time, but opportunity cost there is tremendous because yeah. not only are you having to, to, to bring these, to bring your staff up from zero, Right. You, you're now losing out on the opportunity to do X, Y, and Z. Yeah, so. well, and, and you're, you're impacting the rest of your staff's productivity. Like if they're using Jira for work management, uh, there was a company I worked with last year. They brought in Jira, did zero configuration, and they were doing a lot of measurement and whatnot. And they saw a 60% increase in productivity going from zero work management to Jira. And they used it for six months and said, we know we're doing it wrong. We're going to bring an Adaptivist and see how much more productivity we can get if we're doing it right. And it's been huge, unbelievable, like hundreds, thousands of man hours saved. That is uh, by awesome. There's an opportunity cost of not having this set up right and not knowing what you're doing. The, the cost of what happens when your freshly minted Jira admin, you know, botches their first upgrade because they will like upgrades are hard. Uh, you're going to fail the first one. You have to roll it back and you have to do it a second time. That is the most valuable learning experience there is. Um, I sat through a six-hour upgrade with a new Jira admin, and they ended up rolling it back at the end of it. Uh, but they, I was sitting there the whole time. They didn't want me hands-on. They wanted to do it themselves, and I was just there to act, for them to ask questions. 
but I was so happy because they did such a good job documenting it and learning and their second upgrade flawless. Nice. That's, that, that's how it works in this business. So like, you know, what's the cost of them not getting those resources? That person had a full team behind them. They had a great plan. They had everything they needed. Uh, if you don't give them that and your Jira system was down for a few days. Yeah. You've lost out. You've lost that productivity. That 60% product, you know, productivity increase is gone for days or weeks. Uh, so, you know, there's, there's an opportunity cost. So giving people the, the opportunity and the time really to learn and the resources they need, get them some training, bring somebody in to sit with them for a few days. Um, you know, for, for one customer, I was their Jira admin because they couldn't find somebody to hire. And, you know, I said, when you hire somebody, I'll come on site for a week, do knowledge transfer, teach them everything they need to know, and then they'll be, they'll be good to go. Uh, and it's, it's hard to overstate how helpful that can be. So we have talked about the process of, of looking for an Atlassian administrator externally. We've talked about best practices for growing your own. Give them the time. Give them the resources. Bring an adaptivist. <laughs> That's always the number, one, <laughs> the, the number one tip. Anything you'd like to add? Oh, oh you know what, Matthew? I feel like I've added everything. I right? think you really have. But what if there's anything that Atlassian can do to make it easier on companies looking to hire talent, what is it? Because I'm going to say maybe it's a little bit, maybe awareness of the certification program in the broader world could be a useful tool. What do you think? I think what Atlassian could probably do to, to help with this would be providing um, some, some more resources for OGS related to administration like we've we've talked a little bit with it last with other with people who want this of using the augs as a recruitment place um which again is the you know people who are there probably already have jobs but it's going and saying we you know we want to get you in it, it increases the value of the augs a little bit and but by resources i don't mean just like here's a stack of job applications you could fill out an aug or a bulletin board i think it would be neat if atlassian provided more webinars like live webinars or sort of slide decks provide assistance for aug leaders that says, hey, do you have somebody who'd be willing to give a bit of a, an admin chat? Like, a, not really a training, but just sort of like, here's one tip. You know, we've only got 20 minutes. We go over one or two things. And here's a slide deck they can use as a starting point. Because it, it can be intimidating to present at a dog. Uh, and so if you can, you know, sort of say, I'm willing to talk about it, but I don't have five hours to make a slide deck on this. Oh, okay, you know, it's, it's, you know, here's one on incoming mail handler and, you know, give a talk at the AUG about setting up the incoming mail handler and different ways you can configure it. And, and here's some slides that I think that would be a really helpful resource and would be a way to get some of these topics out to the community. You know, it's all in the documentation, but getting it out to the community in a, in a personal environment and give an opportunity for admins to talk more about this stuff. Cause the best way you learn is by teaching. Oh, and so totally. you get resources review and you give them some some slides and you just i think that would be a really neat thing for it lasting to do for the community all right i i agree nice nice stuff so speaking of hiring atlassian users if you are out there listening first of all thank you second please feel free to share this podcast on your chosen social media site uh we'd love to to welcome more listeners into the fold and if you're looking for a job 
when if you're already an Atlassian expert and you're looking for a career, or maybe you're not an expert, but you're an awesome learner, you should visit joinadaptivist.com. We have, we have people from all disciplines who are, are wonderful, intelligent learners, you know. And from all over the world. Yep. We hire wherever we find good people. Yep. That's what we're looking for is good people. So visit joinadaptivist.com. So for Matthew Stubblefield, I'm Ryan Spilkin, and we'll see you again next week on Adaptivist Live. We're going to have to cut out part of that portion. Hmm. <laughs>